Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Birth father roles and their impact. Birth fathers can have a positive or negative impact on a birth mother's adoption choice, her adoption plan, and her adoption journey. Regardless of whether or not the birth father is actually in a relationship with the birth mother, he can directly or indirectly influence her adoption plan. And he should. In some aspects? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I see it as, you know, we all want to be men or we all want to be good and responsible. You all want to be men? <laughs> Y'all want to be men. No, I just think that it's important for us to take responsibility for our choices. And I do, but we want you to be positive. Yeah. And sometimes that's not the case. That's true. You're right. You know, I have seen situations where birth fathers come in and they're doing the best they can and they're trying and they're trying and they're trying. They're trying to, to get their life together and get a job and, and be able to bring in the finances and, yeah. and turn their lives around so that they can be positive and, and have their family. It doesn't always work that way. No. And sometimes acceptance is the hardest part. So we have lots of women that come to us and the birth mother and the birth father, they've broken up. They're not together anymore. And without his support, whether it be emotional, physical, financial, mental, that's where birth mother decides that adoption is the best choice for her and her okay. unborn baby. The birth mother may have realized that her relationship is totally unstable and wants stability and longevity for her child. She wants a family that's been married for years and years and years rather than the And will hopefully and continue to be married for years and yeah. years and years. Agreed. Absolutely. Ideally, that's what you want. Absolutely. On the other hand, I've also seen birth mother's wish and desire for the birth father to learn about her adoption plan and swoop in on a horse like a knight in shining armor and say, no, 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 we're going to raise this baby. We're going to, you know, ride off into the sunset until we hit our house with a white picket fence and the dog and the cat and the goldfish and the two kids. And we're going to make this life and we're going to be great. And meanwhile, he is getting a... Uh, bus token to go back to the shelter in downtown Phoenix and she's going to go wait in the food um, box line. Mm -hmm. And so her dream is about as re realistic as yeah. your dream as a kid of, right, of having the castle. castle. Mm -hmm. And my uh, royalty lineage. Yeah. 
Other times, birth mothers may continue to be in a relationship with their unborn baby's birth father, and he's not in support. So they're constantly arguing and fighting about the adoption. She knows it's the right thing. He's insisting that he is going to, you know, step up to the plate and be the parent and that he will get a job next week. And until then, he's just going to, you know, live in the housing provided by the adoption and eat the food provided by the adoption, and he. But next week he's going to start looking for a job. Yeah, that's when he's going to buckle down, right? Because get serious next week. But then when next week comes and that doesn't happen, changed, he's still arguing with her as to why she would want to place a baby for adoption when he is going to get his life together. Yeah. And this is where actions speak louder than words. I don't question anybody's desire to want to parent their child. Sometimes their ability is not equal to their desire. And when for nine months you're not working and you're using illegal substances and Child Protective Service has an open case and they've removed your other children, parenting probably isn't the best option unless there's external factors that are going to help and assist you. So... You know, this is where we can live in planet fantasy or planet reality. Sometimes the birth mother will absolutely lock her knees and the birth father will state, I'm not going to contest it, but I'm not happy that she's doing this. And that we accept. Um, When I've seen many, many birth mothers lock their knees and say, no, I'm going to protect the baby. I don't want my baby raised in a household with him. And she'll point to the birth father. And that's so ironic to me that she would subject herself to that. Yeah, it's okay for her but not to her continue baby. living with him. Yeah. And there is a disconnect in there. Right. And uh, it makes and it, and I'm not one to question their relationship choice. Right. But that speaks volumes. Mm-hmm. About her self-esteem. Right. And again, self-esteem is paramount for an adoption. She has to believe she's strong enough to do it. Uh, it's paramount for her to break her own life cycles. And if she doesn't have self-esteem, she's not going to be able to rebuild it afterwards and move on into the world that she wants to live in. Mm-hmm. She's going to stay in planet fantasy. And we've got to shift that paradigm over to planet reality. You know, sometimes a birth mother will come in and have multiple birth fathers, and they may or may not know about each other. That's always a little bit of a circus uh, because I've seen situations where both birth fathers are adamant that the baby is going to be theirs. The birth mother just has a grin in the middle like, I don't really know whose it is. Sometimes in the very best scenarios, a birth father is very supportive of the birth mother, regardless of whether or not they're in a current relationship. He'll come to all the adoption meetings, be at the doctor's appointments, be at the hospital, and he will assist in choosing the adoptive family and he will develop his own relationship with them. And that's good because it helps him become a part of it. Oh, that's beautiful. So we have a very special guest joining us today. Uh, Lisa Simpson is an amazing adoption attorney. She works with our agency and actually has her own firm as well. She is also the beautiful wife of Ron, and we're so excited to have her. Thank you, Kelly. It's a pleasure to be here today. All right, so we have some some questions that we'd like you to weigh in on about birth fathers. Okay. So Lisa, can you tell us from a legal perspective how you handle multiple birth fathers? Okay, so each one has to be addressed individually. 
and you may end up serving some of them personally. You may end up publishing on some of them. It's still service, but it's service by publication. There may be legal fathers. It may be a whole variety and a mix, but they each have to be dealt with individually. So essentially you repeat the same process for each father. You go through the, there's a questionnaire that the mom fills out pertaining to each father as to their current or last known whereabouts, where the conception took place, any information about them. And you have to repeat the process each time for the amount of fathers that are named in the process. And then you, again, have to try and locate them and get them served individually. For any mothers that don't name the all the fathers, the uh, putative father registry does cover that. Uh, so if there are any names that the mother, anybody that the mom forgot to name, then their rights are still dealt with. It's dealt with in a different way. But uh, even un unnamed fathers are dealt with as well. Now, do they do DNA tests? No, they don't need to do DNA tests. The law doesn't require it. They, the law only requires that they be notified of the adoption and a right to be heard if they want to file a paternity action. And those rights aren't really related to adoption law. Those rights are actually constitutional rights for any type of case. There's two rights, basic rights that everybody has under the Constitution. It's to, the right to notice and the right to be heard. So because these fathers have not established paternity, we don't know whether they're the actual fathers or not. That's the basic constitutional right that they are entitled to is the right to notice and the right to be heard. In my experience, working with birth fathers, it's always my favorite when you have a supportive birth father um, and he is right alongside the birth mother and helping choose the adoptive family and wants to sign adoption consents. What's your experience? It is a breath of fresh air when they are involved. Sadly to say, most of them aren't. Sadly to say, most of them cannot be located so it does make the process more detailed but when they are involved it's it's a nice thing for them yeah it's a really good source of support for the birth mothers you know we, we've talked about birth fathers and their roles talk to me a little bit about from your perspective from a legal perspective about legal fathers what's a legal father and, and, and I mean I know the answer but I want to hear it from an attorney so that our listeners can understand so there are two type of legal fathers there's the one type of legal father where he is the biological father of the child, and he's also married to the birth mom. He's her husband, and uh, he's currently involved. That That's one type of legal father. Uh, there's another type of legal father where he is not the biological parent. However, the law presumes him to be the legal father for a couple different reasons. The law states that if the birth mother is married if she's married at the time of conception or at the time the child's born within that period, then the law presumes the husband as the biological parent, even though he, he isn't the biological parent. So they call him the legal parent. Another way of becoming a legal parent is if he gets put on the birth certificate. Now, the only way you can put be put on the birth certificate is if the mom signs an acknowledgement of paternity and the 
person that she wants to add on the birth certificate signs an acknowledgement of paternity as well and those have to be notarized but if they do that regardless of whether he's the biological father or not he becomes the legal father now the problem with the legal fathers that uh, we have run into is even though they're not the bio father because they have the status of the legal father they either have to sign a consent or they're rights have to be terminated and sometimes that can complicate the process and then as you know it can complicate the process even more if you have to uh, if you have a situation where the Indian Child Welfare Act is involved so right so that's just, so the legal father aspect is really truly one more layer it is one more layer and in my experience I have seen married couples where there is a birth mother and a legal father and they're legally married and they have decided that they cannot parent one more child maybe due to their age their finances their life circumstances i've seen that have you seen that much in your practice it, it i've seen it it doesn't happen all that often the the more common situation sadly is where there's a biological father but the mother is still married to someone else who's not the biological father and i've seen that as well i yeah. know the mother's view it is a ridiculous law but there's nothing we can do about it because it is the law and that happens a lot. Yeah. So what would you say to birth fathers out there that are deciding whether or not to be a part of the adoption plan and to adoptive families who are dealing with a birth father situation? What's your best advice? Well, just like the birth mothers, if you can be involved in the process, it's going to make it an easier situation just because it may be the right decision to do doesn't mean it's an easy one and in engaging in the process it uh, helps you be a part of it it's helps it will help with healing um, even though you may not want to deal with it the situation now you know down the road you may have different feelings and regrets that you didn't be involved in it um, especially if you are the biological parent then you it's, it's nice to have a say in the matter. And if you're not involved, then you don't have the same rights as a birth mom as far as to have a post-adoption communication agreement and stay in contact with the family and the child down the road. So my advice is there's no need to, I think a lot of birth fathers have fears. Um, I think they fear that somehow they're gonna end up actually being involved or being on the hook or paying child support for the, child instead of just the opposite they don't understand that you know it's a process where their parental rights are terminated and they someone else is is adopting that child and so there's nothing to fear about it if you agree with the adoption it's just the opposite and um, I think some of them if they have a criminal background they fear that somehow that's going to come out and there's no need to fear any of that. It's a confidential process. And again, it, it's a process that is, a, it's a, it can be, a, as you know, a completely incredible, wonderful experience for everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you will come back again soon. Yes, I would love to. Thank you. And for all of our listeners, thanks for staying with us, and we'll see you next time. We have a pregnancy crisis hotline available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112, or you can call our toll-free number 1-800-340-9665. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get you to a safe place, provide food and clothing, and start it on creating an Arizona adoption plan or give you more information. You can check out our blogs on our website at azpregnancyhelp.com. 
BirthMotherMatters.com. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters and Adoption, written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me, Ron Rains. If you enjoy this podcast, rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And as always, thanks to Grapes for letting us use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Join us next time for Birth Mother Matters and Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Rains, and we'll see you then.